Today's date is June 11th, 2023. We are reading from the big book of AA, pages 52, The Wright Brothers, to and including paragraph 55, paragraph page 55, yet we had. Lori H. will be our reader, followed by a 20-minute share by Nancy Z. Lori. Thank you, family. Uh, the Wright brothers' almost childish faith that they could build a machine which would fly was the mainspring of their accomplishment. Without that, nothing could have happened. We agnostics and atheists were sticking to the idea that self-sufficiency would solve our problems. When others showed us that God's sufficiency worked with them, we began to feel like those who would insist in the rights would never fly. Logic was great stuff. We liked it. We still like it. It's not by chance that we are given the power to reason, to examine the evidence of our senses, and to draw conclusions. That is one of the magnificent, that is, excuse me, that is one of man's magnificent attributes. We agnostically inclined would not feel satisfied with a proposal that does not lend itself to reasonable approach and interpretation. Hence, we are at pains to tell why we think our present faith is reasonable, why I think it is more sane and logical to believe than not to believe, why we say our form of thinking was soft and mushy when we threw up our hands in doubt and said, we don't know. When we became alcoholics crushed by a self-imposed crisis, we could not postpone or evade. We had to fearlessly face the proposition that either God is everything or else he is nothing. God either is or he isn't. What was our choice to be? Arrived at this point, we were squarely confronted with the question of faith. We couldn't duck the issue. Some of us had already walked far over the bridge of reason towards the desired shore of faith. The outlines and the promise of the new land had brought luster to tired eyes and fresh courage to flagging spirits. Friendly hands had stretched out and welcomed. We were grateful that reason had bought us so far, and somehow we couldn't quite step ashore. Perhaps we had been leaning too heavily on reason that last mile, and we did not like to lose our support. That was natural, but let us think a little more closely. Without knowing it, had we not been brought to where we stood by a certain kind of faith? Or did we not believe in our own reasoning? Did we not have confidence in our ability to think? What was that but a sort of faith? Yes, we had been faithful, objectively faithful to the God of reason. So in one way or another, we discovered that faith had been involved all the time. We found too that we had been worshipers. What a state of mental goose flesh that used to bring on. Had we not variously worshiped people, sentiment, things, money, and ourselves? And then with a better motive, had we not worshipfully beheld the sunset, the sea, or a flower? Who of us had not loved something or somebody? How much did these feelings, these loves, these worships have to do with pure reason? Little or nothing we saw at last. Were not these things the tissue out of which our lives were constructed? Did not these feelings, after all, determine the course of our existence? It, is, it was impossible to say that we had no capacity for faith or love or worship. In one form or another, we had been living by faith and little else. Imagine life without faith. Were nothing left but pure reason, it wouldn't be life. But we believed in life. Of course we did. We could not prove life in the sense that you could prove a straight line is the shortest distance between two points, yet there it was. Could we say the whole thing was nothing but a mass of electrons created out of nothing, meaning nothing, whirling onto a destiny of nothingness? Of course we couldn't. 
The electrons themselves seem more intelligent than that, at least so the chemist said. Hence, we saw that reason isn't everything. Neither is reason as most of us use it entirely dependable, though it emanate from our best minds. What about people who prove that man could never fly? Yet, we had been seeing another kind of flight, a spiritual liberation from this world, people who rose above their problems. They said God made these things possible, and we only smiled. We had seen spiritual release, but like to tell ourselves, it wasn't true. Great, now we have a 20 minute share by Nancy Z. Hey everyone, hi, I'm Nancy Z, as in zebra. Um, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater, bulimic anorexic, um, and just so uh, grateful to be here. Thank you for asking me to share my my experience, strength, and hope in recovery, and um, my thoughts on this reading. Um, quickly, I first I want to say I'm going to try to time myself here if I can do two things at one time. Um, I love. I, I was thinking about this earlier. I love doing a lead, and particularly something out of the big book because um, I'd actually forgotten about it. And Kim, thank you for texting me like on Thursday to remind me, had you texted me earlier, I would have been in a frenzy, but um, you know, as it is, it wasn't until about nine 30 this morning that I started freaking out. I took some time to obviously to sit down and write my thoughts out on this section. And I was thinking this morning, how much I love doing a lead for that reason, because um, as many of us, I'm one of those people who's my mind just doesn't stop. It goes and goes and goes and goes. I wake up, it's going. I, you know, I go to sleep, it's going. I listen to music at night so I can fall asleep so my brain will stop. And so knowing I'm doing a lead on something in the big book or any type of topic um, gives me something constructive to think about. So I've really been thinking a lot about this section and a lot about my journey in recovery. And I want to um, quickly just uh, qualify um, I have been in the rooms of, of um, Overeaters Anonymous since about 1983. I came into the rooms through Alcoholics Anonymous. I am a recovered alcoholic and um, drug addict. And I, when I got sober, clean and sober, food took over. And uh, I'm grateful that I quickly found OA. Um, but most of the time in these rooms, I have been in relapse. Um, I'd have periods of, of recovery while well, I'd have periods of abstinence, um, but not, I was nowhere near recovered. Um, I left the program in 2009 and I was out there trying to find another solution. I had a resentment against OA. I had a chip on my shoulder. OA didn't work. And, um, gratefully, uh, I kept hitting bottom and hitting bottom and hitting a deeper bottom. And gratefully, I was brought back into these rooms in 2017. Someone introduced me to the vision meetings at that time. Again, I had a resentment chip on my shoulder. I listened with half an ear, but I kept coming back. Uh, something. I heard something. I heard the message. It was a different OA than I had been in before. Or maybe I was different. I don't know. But um uh, I kept coming back and uh, I got introduced to other meetings. I started seeing people in recovery. And this last paragraph um, that was read is um, a spiritual liberation from this world. People who rose above their problems. They said God made these things possible. And we only smiled. They said God made these things possible. Spiritual liberation. That's what I saw. 
when I came to meetings. I saw people who had who who were abstinent and not just physically, but recovered. And they were speaking a language I had not heard and that I craved, that I I wanted. I wanted what they had. And I kept coming back and um, slowly but surely, I'd get like, you know, 30 days and then I'd relapse. Um, I'd get, you know, <laughs> two weeks and then I'd relapse, but I kept coming back. And um, my, uh, what I pray to God is my absolute last bottom uh, was on uh, December 21st of um, 2020. I picked up the phone and called someone on December 22nd of 2020 and asked them to be my sponsor. I had no intention of doing that, of course, but the words came out of my mouth and she surprisingly said, yes. She asked me two questions at that time. She asked me, are you done? And are you willing to go to any lengths? I had been asked that question, am I willing to go to any lengths many, many times? And I had said, yes, yes, yes. Um, but this time there really was something different. I really was like, I was done. I was done. Um, and that was the day that for me, the desire, the compulsion to binge and throw up uh, was removed. Absolutely. And I have not from that day um, had the urge, the desire, the compulsion um, to binge and throw up. Uh, so I, I, I am recovered from um, compulsively overeating, binging, uh, from um, uh, from anorexia and uh, from bulimia in the forms of laxatives. These were the ways I practiced bulimia, laxatives, exercise, and and throwing up. Um, anyway, that was my journey. That began my journey. I've had some ups and downs, and I restarted my abstinence date in April of 2022. So I have a little app here that, um, let me see, that says I have 418 days of abstinence, um, April 19th of um, 2022. I have um, 901 days free of uh, purge and sugar-free. Um, I've been married 45 years and I retire in 50 days. So those are my, those are my <laughs> countdown days. Um, and they're all very special to me. So, all right. So that's kind of the back story of what happened. Um, how do I relate to this today, this reading? Um, so I just jotted down some thoughts when I, when I started reading this, the first thing that came to mind was the set aside prayer. I was introduced to the set aside prayer pretty early on in um, in my work with my sponsor and uh, never heard it before. All the years that I've been in the room, I never heard it before. And she encouraged me to use it daily. And I do use it daily in my morning meditation and throughout the day. Um, but that was the attitude that I was asked to take when I um, when I started. And then I'm asked to take today is please set aside everything I think I know. I've heard um, someone say in the rooms that um, it's not the it's not what they it's not what they don't know that's the problem or know or whatever it's what they think they know and I relate to that part it's what I think I know because when if I think I know um, and I came in here with a lot of I knows you know I know I know I know I've heard it a million times I know I had to set that aside um, so this this section definitely makes me think about that set aside prayer and that set aside attitude, not just the prayer, but the attitude. 
It also makes me think about in um, spiritual awakening at the back of in the appendix, um, appendix two, the very end of it, it says, uh, we find that no one need have difficulty with the spiritually uh, spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable, essential and indispensable. There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all argument, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance and pain and suffering, um, in my opinion. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. And I had um, a fair amount of content, contempt and um, and unwillingness. And that's what kept me out. That's what kept me in relapse for years. Um, so the next section that, that we read is that the Wright brothers' almost childish faith that they could build a machine which would fly was the mainspring of their accomplishment. And when I think about that mainspring of their accomplishment, that's that's what that childish faith is faith is what made them successful. And when I think about childish faith, I think about um, absolute trust, no doubt whatsoever, um, operating on a deep knowing, unhindered, unhindered by doubt and fear. And, you know, I remember when I was a child um, at times when I had that like childish faith in things. And um, um what I what I was thinking about that is when I came in and my sponsor said to me, um, you know, I started with this God thing and I believed in God and I had a faith in God and I thought I trusted God. But, you know, more was revealed to me as I worked through the steps and I didn't. I didn't. I did, had never surrendered fully to God. And um, what she asked me to do was set aside all of that. And um, she said, you are responsible for the action God is responsible for the outcome. And you know, guys, I don't know. Again, I think the pain and the suffering of this disease brings us to our knees and brings us to a point of willingness. I know it did me. I was willing to do anything because I was so done um, that I I really did give up the results. You know, before it was like, well, is God going to make me fat? Well, is um, God going to, you know, um, am I going to have to, I mean, seriously, am I going to have to like give up everything I know and go to India and, you know, be Mother Teresa or something. What is God going to do with my life? And I didn't want to, I had fears about surrendering to God. Um, and again, it was the pain of my disease that brought me to the point of willingness to let go and trust, no matter what, trust, trust the food plan. I went to a dietitian, of course, I got a food plan. Um, trust my sponsor, trust the food plan, trust, um, trust God and just keep moving forward. Took the pressure off of me. I'm not responsible for the outcome. I'm responsible for the action. Um, then the second, the next section about sticking to old ideas, um, self-sufficiency would solve my problems. Um, what I wrote down is, am I sticking? So turn, uh, turn uh, I learned, turn a sentence into a question. Am I sticking to the idea that self-sufficiency will solve my problems? I tried self-sufficiency for years. It didn't solve my problem. You know, so the question is, how's that working out for you? You know, it didn't work out very, very well for me at all. Um, am I open to just maybe God can do a better job? And that's what I had to walk forward with. And that childish faith is that God could do a much better job than I had been doing. Um, 
The next part that really stuck out to me was about this logic thing, and it's not by chance that we were given the power to reason, to examine the evidence of our senses and to draw conclusions. That is one of man's magnificent attributes, and that is a God-given attribute. Um, that reminds me of where it says in the uh, on page 86, after all, God gave us brains to use. I love that sentence. After all, God gave me a brain to use. After all, God gave me a brain to use. I can use it um, you know, as a rationale for self-will, quite honestly. But what I thought as I wrote that down is, um, you know, that's on this is on page 53, and we're in the we agnostics, which is step two, right? And that phrase or that sentence, God gave us brains to use, is on page 86. Um, and you notice there's a lot of steps between page 53 and page 86. And those steps we have to go through before we are told that God gave us brains to use, right? And those steps are the ones that clear the blockage. So, you know, I come in, I've got all this blockage um, of being able to have a relationship with God. I have to get through the surrender part. And then I got to go through the pain of the steps of, of cleaning out all that garbage, the fourth and fifth step, getting honest with another person, doing my amends to get to the 10th step and 11th step where I find that power, you know, and, and, and yes, I found power throughout that process, but it was really when I got through the maintenance steps of 10, 11, and 12, that that power flowed through me. And then of course, that I keep that channel open through my 10th and 11th and 12th steps. Um, next, we come to what I think is almost like I could call the thesis of the book, um, either God is everything or else he is nothing. God either is or he isn't. What was our choice to be? What I love about that 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 sentence, that, you know, that part is that um, it's really black and white. There's no middle ground. As I heard someone else say, um, there's no door number three. God either is or God isn't. What is it going to be? It's like, get off the fence, Nance. And, you know, it's time to get off the fence and make a decision. And, you know, the decision God isn't, that means I go back to that life that I was living, which I didn't want to go back to. So am I willing to say that God is everything, to to accept that God is everything in my life, no matter what? Um, take the leap and continue taking it every day. You know, it's not just a one and done for me. I have to every day surrender my will in my life over to the care of God. And I do use, do that in my morning time, my morning meditation and quiet time. I use this phrase a lot. God, either God is everything or God is nothing. What will it be? You know, when I'm trying to take back my will and take back um, uh, running my life. And then the other one that I use is on page 14. I love this. Um, I must turn, it's right here on my bulletin board. I must turn in all things to the creator of light who presides over us all. That's pretty clear. It's not most things or some things or this part of my life or that part of my life. It's And Bill said that I must turn in all things to the, it says, father of light, I say creator of light who presides over us all. It's pretty clear. And that's what I do love about the big book and about this program is, you know, it's pretty clear. It, it doesn't pull punches. And I need that. This self-woke compulsive eater addict, I need that. Um, it's clear and absolute, all things, not some. Um, I heard uh, someone that I just, a speaker that I just love in this program, she said, I can't, I can't, my disease loves ambiguity. I can't afford to give it loopholes. That will kill me. 
um, my disease, my self-will wants options. I want an escape plan. If my disease wants an escape plan, so do I. Um, this tells me that that will kill me. You know, I can't afford to have um, options or yeah, or not a clear path in this program. Um, I've tried that. It doesn't work. Doesn't work for this this compulsive eater. Um, and I'm grateful to know that today. I'm grateful that I don't have to have that debate any longer. You know, I'm pretty um, I'm pretty black and white with my recovery. I, um, you know, I do my meditation time. I do a 10 step every day. I, even when I don't want to, although I have missed some days, I do a gratitude list every night and my um, nightly review, it's not always, you know, perfect. It's rarely perfect, but I do it because I'm afraid not to. I weigh and measure. Um, you know, I, I, I do not weigh and measure when I go out to eat, and, but I weigh and measure my food. Um, and, you know, there are times when I'm like, I don't have to do that. I know how much is. Mm -mm, no, I, again, I cannot afford that kind of ambiguity. Um, the next section, it says now about phase. And what I really liked about this section, what I got about out of it was about worshiping. And yes, I had faith, you know, I had faith that electricity would work. I had faith that, it, you know, when I turned my car on, that it would start up. I had faith that, you know, I'd get a paycheck um, from my place of employment. So I had faith in a lot of things in life. Um, but I thought more about this time, more about the worshiping. Um, and, you know, what did I worship when I was out there doing it my way? You know, what did I worship? I worship thinness. You know, somewhere along the line, I learned that being thin was being successful. Um, I learned it from the adults in my life. Um, so that I worshiped that. And that was my God. I sought that um, through everything that I did. I was once told by a therapist that I would die before I got fat. And I agreed with her. I would have. Um, it, it was that. um it wasn't even a choice. It wasn't a choice. Um, the other thing that I worshiped was knowledge. Uh, I figured if I knew enough, if I could, you know, I wasn't, I knew I would never be rich. <laughs> I knew, you know, um, I had a lot of things against me, but I was smart. And if I could just learn and be the smartest one, then I would be successful. So I worshiped um, knowledge and I worshiped success. I could just be successful in my, um, I, I was never able to have children. So I was going to be successful in my career. Um, so those were the th three things that I sought and I worshiped throughout my life above everything else, above God. Um, and, you know, certainly I, I kind of figured God maybe wanted that for me too. Um, so when I, I did, when I uh, surrendered and I had to change that worshiping to God. I had to be willing to let go of all of those things. And I will tell you that um, uh, letting go of the, um, of, of being thin, I mean, trusting God with my body, trusting God with my weight um, was the hardest thing I think that I had to do. Um, the others were kind of hard too, but that one was really hard because I was convinced God was going to make me fat. I really was. And um, 
God didn't. <laughs> I did have to gain weight in the beginning um, because I was not at a healthy weight. Um, and that was hard. But through the support and the love of my sponsor and other people in this program, you know, I was and 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 that is um, that's lifted. You know, that fear is gone today. Um, it used to be like torturous going out to eat a meal. For me, I would obsess before, I would obsess during, I would obsess after. My poor husband heard all about it. You know, I would upset. And today I just go out to a meal and I enjoy people and I um, enjoy uh, the company and I enjoy the meal. Um, so yes, uh, we found that we had been worshipers and I had been. I worshiped those three things. I believe that these things would give me everything I needed. Um, and my life was devoted to achieving them. Um, so the problem was I worshiped the wrong things. And this program did give me a faith in a in um in God and um brought me to a God, a higher power that I can trust today, that I can be close to, that I can turn to and rely on. Um, you know, I was thinking this morning that um, you know, my prayer life fluctuates. I pray daily, uh, but sometimes, you know, I kind of just go along in life throughout the day. And I'm and and I've been praying a lot coming up to this talk. And I'm like, um, you know, the thought crossed my mind. Is God going to listen to me? Is God going to, because I didn't pray like so devotedly, God isn't like that. You know, my God isn't like that. God is with me all the time. And he knows what's in my heart. Uh, God knows what's in my mind and what's in my heart. And at any moment, any time of day, I can turn to um, my higher power and trust and rely on, in him. Um, all I have to do is be willing open-minded, do the work and trust God with the outcome. So um, bottom line for me today is I can't rely on myself, on self, if I want to live the life that is promised to me on page 133, which is, um, I said to my husband this morning, who uh, my husband is also in the program. So thank God, you know, we bounce a lot of things off each other. And I'm like, where in the big book does it say happy, joyous and free? Because um, I thought that was in uh, on page 164 in Vision in the, you know, ending. And he's like, um, I don't know, Google it, <laughs> Google it. So I did, I searched through my, um, my Kindle, uh, big book and it's on page 133 and it's in the, to the family afterwards, actually. And it does say that we are sure God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. And, you know, if I'm living a life driven by self-will, um, a life where, you know, my, my goals and objectives is to be thin, smart, popular, successful, all of that. Um, I am not happy, joyous, and free. It is not a good life. Um, you know, and as I was preparing for this talk, I thought, really, what is what what is the ultimate for me in 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 giving a talk or sharing with people, but also just in my life today. And it is that I can make a difference in someone's life that perhaps what my journey, my experience, strength and hope, can encourage someone. You know, I know that my story today is one of don't quit before the miracle, keep coming back no matter what. Um, you know, and that that recovery is here. It is possible for anyone. You know, I was I was the girl that thought I would die um on the bathroom floor, binging and throwing up. 
I thought, you know, there was a point at time that I was maybe binging and throwing up every maybe five, six days. And I thought that's the best it'll get. And if that's the best it'll get, I'll take it, you know, because it was better than what it had been. And today it is a, it is a pure miracle that I am free of that, that I am free of the crazy. Um, you know, I could be, I could stop the behavior, but I couldn't stop the crazy. And it's through, um, through my higher power that I'm freed from that, from freed from that obsession and that insanity, and that I can live a life where I'm not, it's not all about me. I got the greatest compliment yesterday, um, or the, uh, earlier this week, a really good friend of mine, she and I have been friends in this program since 1986. And she said, you know, there was a time that I would call you, or you would call me and it would be like, I got to talk. And I'd just pour out all my stuff to her. And then I'd say, okay, got to go. Bye. And she goes, you don't do that anymore. You know, you ask me, how am I? You're interested in my life. And, you know, that is the greatest compliment because I know I was self-centered. I know it. And I could not see it. And today, you know, I really do care about others. I really do want to know, how are you? Um, and um, that is, that is, you know, that transformation that they talk about, that is through the power of, of, um, of God, definitely in my life. Um, I don't know, I quit time in myself, I, you know, after five minutes, so I don't know how much time I have left. That's but, time, that's time. Uh, thank you, AJ. So with that, I just thank you uh, for allowing me to share today. Thank you for being here, and I'll pass. Thanks.